Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode 13 for Monday, April the 4th, 2016. This episode of the John Campia Podcast is sponsored by geekfeed.com. Stuff your geek hole. Hey guys, and thanks for joining me on this episode of the John Campia Podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more Batman vs. Superman as it heads towards 700 million. Doctor Strange set pictures, a wrap-up of WrestleMania, underrated films of 2015, and a whole bunch more. So sit back, relax. The John Campia Podcast starts right now. Well, hey there, guys, and thanks so much for joining me for this first podcast of the week on this Monday. Of course, my name is John Campion. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Lots to talk about today. Whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, first of all, really excited. Uh, it, for those of you who are listening to this on this Monday, then as you're listening to this, I'm probably up to my neck in auditions and interviews. We are actually starting the casting and auditions and interview process today for that brand new movie show that I'm doing with Lionsgate and Comic-Con on the new Comic-Con HQ network. Um, I'm very, very excited about this. I have a whole bunch more news to talk about, but I'm doing that on on today actually probably as you're listening to this that's probably where i am at this very moment uh interviewing a whole bunch of people for potential spots in this new show i'm really excited about that but a lot of other things went down this weekend wrestlemania happened last night i'm going to talk about that a little bit there's more batman versus superman stuff but let me start with this um i was on for the longest time i've had a lot of you guys on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, telling me, John, you got to go on movie fights. You got to go on movie fights. You got to go on movie fights over at Screen Junkies. And I know the guys over there, a good bunch of guys. And here's the problem. We, we had arranged for me to be on movie fights once, but this is the problem. The problem is they generally shot movie fights while I'd be working. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think they were shooting movie fights at the time. They were shooting movie fights at the same time that we shot movie talk every day, Monday through Friday. And, you know, I was just really, while I was the head of Collider Video, I was extremely busy. I had no time for anything. Well, about four months ago, five months ago, six months ago, I can't remember exactly, um, Andy Signor had uh, gotten a hold of me and we arranged, we actually found a day that I could go down and do movie fights. So I was supposed to be on movie fights this one day. And then the night before, at like three in the morning, I'm awake with the most incredible stomach problems and nausea. And it, it was a mess. Okay. It was a mess. So finally, about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I realized this ain't going to happen. So I had to email the guys at movie fights and say, guys, I am so sorry, but I there's just no way I'm going to be able to come down there in five hours. Like, there's just no way. And so that kind of fell through. But uh, lo and behold, I have some more free time now. So I was able to go down and do movie fights because I, once in particular, I was actually at a screening of Batman v Superman with uh, Andy and Dan from Movie Fights. And they grabbed me immediately afterwards because they know I liked the movie. And they said, you have to come on Movie Fights 
when we do our Batman versus Superman debates because, you know, you're one of the people who supports the film and we'd love to have you on. And I was able to do it. So, and what made it really sweet. And for those of you who, who watch, uh, uh, the Schmodown trivia competition, know Dan came into Dan Merle, the movie fights champion came into my house. All right. The house that Campia built. Over there at Collider Video. He came into the Collider Video Studios, Campius House. All right. I know I'm not the head of video there anymore, but it's still Campius House. So they come into my house and we lead off the Schmodown, this new trivia show that we had started with me versus Dan Merle. And Dan beat me. Son of a bitch. Dan beat me. Now, uh, I could whine and complain. And say, well, what the hell did you think was going to happen when I get as my category of questions coming of age movies and Dan got his category of questions sci-fi fantasy? I mean, come on. But the thing is, I can whine and complain about the categories we got. But the thing is, Dan got asked questions and he answered them all. And he he performed like a champ uh, and he won and he beat me in my house. And I had a really good time and it was a lot of fun, but oh, you know, deep down somewhere that didn't sit well with me. No, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Dan's a great guy. Uh, and we, he and I had a lot of fun, especially me. I had a lot of fun in the lead up. Um, because, you know, we wanted, you know, Christian in particular, Christian Harloff, he really in particular wanted to make the new trivia show like, WWE wrestling, like, like UFC, he wanted the competitors to trash talk. And I'm pretty good at trash talking when I, when I, if I want to turn heel, I can trash talk pretty good. So you guys, a lot of you probably saw the trash talking video I made of Dan, uh, which was a lot of fun. And the Dan made a response video, which was great. And we had a lot of fun building up to the match and we went into the match and damn it, Dan beat me, Elizabeth Taylor. I still don't know how for the life, for those of you who saw the match, I don't know how for the life. I mean, I knew exactly who started Cleopatra. It was Elizabeth Taylor. And I said Elizabeth and I, my mouth almost said Banks. So what, John, why the hell were you going to say Banks? I don't know. And then in that moment, I had a brain freeze and I totally forgot Elizabeth Taylor and whatever. It happened and Dan beat me and Dan answered all his questions. So that's that's kind of sat rough with me, but Dan was great. And so I went in. Now, I went into Dan's house. Uh, this weekend. Well, I, we actually recorded it uh, last week, but it aired this weekend. So I went into Dan's house now and onto his home field to participate in movie fights. And the topic was Batman v Superman. I took, I think their title of the episode was uh, Batman v Superman, fun or failure. I took the fun side uh, with a partner, uh, Mark Andreco. And Dan took the failure side uh, with his partner, uh, Harley Mortensen from Epic Mealtime. And But it was Campia versus Merle round two. We all know that. But anyway, and it was nice to actually come away with a win and beat Dan there. But let me tell you something. Like, because some people would watch these these trash-talking videos that Dan and I did to help hype up the uh, the Schmodam. Let me tell you something. This is the truth. Uh, Dan is a really cool guy. I, I Look, I, I don't – I'm not going to pretend like he and I have hung out a whole ton. But – you know, the chances I've had to be around him, like whether we're hanging out at screenings or at screen junkies or we're at the collider offices, whatever, he's a really, really good guy, a really good guy. And let me tell you, um, just a beast, 
just a beast because as we were debating for those of you and if you haven't seen the movie fights uh of me versus dan uh it's it's on there like i said it's batman versus superman fun or failure that's the episode of movie fights one that was on the saturday if you haven't watched it go watch it a lot of people in their comment section are calling it the best episode of movie fights ever and i think it was and it had nothing to do with the fact that i was there it was just a really good fun great movie discussion it was awesome because even though dan and his partner harley who's a good canadian boy by the way harley mortensen from epic mealtime even though they were taking the opposite side of me, I found myself just sitting there listening to their reasoning and listening to them working out their own thoughts about the movies and just really enjoying listening to them. You know, that's that's the type of, of guy that Dan is as a movie mind. You know, even though I was taking the opposite side of him, I really just found myself being entertained and enjoying and being edified, just sitting there and listening to him as he vocalized his thought process on why he thought what he thought about the movies. Ultimately, movies, you know this to me. This is the gospel to me. All films are subjective. Movies are subjective. There's no definitive right. There's no definitive wrong unless you're talking about something quantifiable like box office numbers or runtime or spelling people's names right. Other than that, it's subjective. But what I think makes a good movie pundit is not people who share my opinions but rather people who are really gifted at articulating and expressing why they think the way they do to the point that I can get something out of it. And while I'm sitting there competing against uh, Dan and his partner Harley, I got to tell you, I so enjoyed listening to Dan talk. I really did. And I enjoyed being able to rebut and debate with him and all that kind of stuff too. But just listening to him talk and expressing his thought process on movies was very enjoyable to me. I had a really good time with him. That dude's a beast um, and had a lot of fun. But it was it was sweet, sweet, delicious revenge. Or as the Klingons would say, it is a dish of revenge best served cold. Um so yeah, that was that. And, and like, again, if uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out that episode, go on over to the Screen Junkies YouTube channel and check out the most recent movie fights uh, with uh, Dan and myself, uh, Harley from Epic Mealtime and uh, Mark uh, Andrianeko. And it was just fun, really good time. Uh, special thanks to Andy Signor for having me down there and being on there. I had a great time and all the Screen Junkie fans of those of you who are listening, if you are Screen Junkie fans, were so nice to me and so welcoming to me. Had a really, really fun time. So thank you all for that very much. Um, another thing that went down uh, this past week was round two of the Schmodown. Now, here's the thing. Before I – one of the things that I was waiting um, to leave my job as head of Collider Video – was I, I didn't want to leave until had I had all the pieces in place. And for those of you who saw my, uh, my announcement when I was resigning, you, you heard this before, but I didn't want to leave until I had what I felt were all the pieces, pieces were in place to move forward to the next level for Collider Video. That included uh, I had been working for months on getting a new deal for Mark and Christian to secure their position there, uh, and give them certain responsibilities and things like that to get that new deal signed between them and uh, Complex. That was one thing. The other thing was this game show idea that 
Christian had first brought to me like months before, and then he and I were working on for months, uh, the Schmodown tr- movie trivia competition. We wanted to make sure all the deals were signed for that, that we got the funding for it, and that all that kind of stuff was in place. And one of the very last things that I did as the head of Collider Video before I stepped down was to make sure those two things happened, that we got Mark and Christian's deal signed, uh, that I got Dennis positioned to be the new head, and to get the new movie trivia uh, game show all set, signed, funded, and ready to go. And then all those things good. And of course, the first episode was me versus Dan Merle. And that did not go so well for me. That did not go well for me at all. I ended up losing to Dan. Uh, but the second episode aired this week, which, believe me when I tell you, was way more entertaining than my match against Dan. It was John Roca against Scott Mance. Uh, Scott Mance from Access Hollywood. Uh, Roca, who is, of course, a mainstay around Collider Video and a lot of our different – he pops up on a bunch of our different shows. Um, but he also has his own Star Wars podcast. Anyway, the two of them went at it. It went right down to the wire. It went right down to the final question. Go over and check it out because it, it, it's fun and it's funny. And while they are friends, Roca and Mance, and they have respect for each other, I think there's a little bit of truth to their trash talking. I, th- I think they've got a little bit of animosity between them. So it just fueled this match they had, which was great. So anyway, that's enough. make sure you go check out that video as well. The uh, John Roca versus Scott Mance uh, Schmodown uh, movie trivia episode that is up there. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, and before I get to the movie stuff, since we're talking about matchups and things being like the WWE, be a little bit remiss if you didn't talk a bit about WrestleMania last night. WrestleMania came... It's once a year. I cannot believe it's been a year since the last one. Now, look, here's just so you know, I grew up watching wrestling in the Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, Tito Santana, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Jesse the Body Ventura era. That's the era I grew up watching wrestling. But then I got back into wrestling and started watching it pretty religiously back in the Attitude Era, back in the... Um, you know, the Edging Christian in the Stone Cold Steve Austin and the, in the young rock days. Um, I was, and you know, that's, I was kind of into it then. Now I hadn't watched wrestling for years, really. In the last, I don't know, 10 years, I basically watch wrestling now, to be honest, maybe once, maybe twice a year and WrestleMania. I watch WrestleMania every year. I just do actually last year, Anne and myself and a couple of friends, we actually got in the car, took a big road trip, and we actually went to WrestleMania last year. And this year, Anne went to WrestleMania again. She got on a plane uh, yesterday morning and flew to Dallas the same morning. So she got on the plane yesterday morning, flew to Dallas, got off the plane, had something to eat, and went right to the stadium to watch WrestleMania. So she's actually even in Dallas still. She doesn't come back until later tonight. So she's out there watching it. But so I sat down. Uh, I had a bunch of work I had to do here at the at the uh, here at home, so I put on WrestleMania while I was doing a bunch of work and watch it. And I got to tell you, what a letdown! It actually kind of sucked. Really did. It actually kind of sucked, especially following last year because last year was so good. And maybe I mean, and honestly, I've I've watched highlights of last year's again on video. So it's not just because, 
oh, I'm only thinking last year's was really good because I was there in person. No, it last year's was really good. This year's was really boring. And I understood, like somebody, a friend of mine was explaining to me that WWE has a bunch of really key significant injuries right now. They had a hard time putting storylines together and that's okay. But I got to tell you, I watched the whole thing and I found it kind of meh. I found it kind of let down. There are a couple of highlights though, I got to say. And for those of you who don't watch professional wrestling, you're thinking, why am I listening to this podcast? Don't worry. I'll get to the movie stuff in a second. But um, Shane McMahon. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about wrestling, uh, the WWE is run by this guy, Vince McMahon. I'm sure you've heard the name. And for a while, and, and, and by the way, his daughter, Stephanie McMahon, is one of the people who runs the company too. And Stephanie's husband, uh, who, go, who goes by the moniker of Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, of course, um, they kind of run it. And a number of years ago, back in the Attitude Era when I used to watch, Vince McMahon's son, Shane McMahon, was also a very colorful, fun guy. He would get involved in some wrestling matches now and again. But he's been gone out of the family business for years and years and years and years and years. And then suddenly my friends tell me, oh, hey, Shane, Shane O'Mac, that's his nickname, Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon is coming back to WrestleMania and he's going to be wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Now, here's the thing. In real life, this guy, Shane McMahon, he's not a wrestler per se. He's a very, very wealthy dude um, who this is his family business. He's super wealthy. And you're thinking, well, wait a second. Why are they putting this guy and giving him a match against the ultimate like wrestler, The Undertaker, at WrestleMania? But f- I got to say, I think the most entertaining part of WrestleMania was Shane McMahon wrestling The Undertaker. And I even think that without the... O M G F F F G like with, with without that incredible moment, which if you saw us, you know what I'm talking about, but if you didn't, here's the thing at one moment in the match, it was a hell in the cell match where a giant had to be 25. They say 20, but I'm looking at, I think that's going to be 25 feet tall. This giant, I'm going to call 25 foot. This giant steel cage is put around like with a roof and everything is put around the ring. So the competitors aren't supposed to be able to get out. But one thing leads to another. One of the walls breaks down and they break out of it. But anyway, at one point in the match, Shane McMahon gets the Undertaker laid out on a table. Okay. Down on the floor, not in the ring, down on the floor. Okay. Shane McMahon then proceeds to climb to the top of this cage, 20, 25 feet way above the ground. And he does the most insane move that I haven't seen done since mankind fighting the Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match, however many years ago that was. Shane McMahon, this dude who's not even a wrestler, he's been gone from the WWE for five years, six years, seven years. I don't know how long he's been gone. He's been gone forever. The dude is wealthy beyond belief. And to entertain the fans, the crowd or the mob, as they would say in Rome, He climbs to the top of this cage and hurls his body off the top of this cage 25 feet down to the ground and lands on a table. Not, there wasn't an airbag under the table. Look, folks, there's nothing fake about it. He threw himself off of a 25-foot perch 
and then hurl towards the earth and crash through this table to entertain the fans. I'm sitting there watching this happen. As I'm trying to work and I'm watching WrestleMania out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, he can't actually do this. Like he starts climbing the cage and I'm like, he's not going to do it. Right? I mean, he can't. I mean, dear God, somebody tell me he's not going to do this. Oh my God, he's doing it. And he jumps from 25 feet, comes crashing down through this table onto the floor. I, I just, it's, I, honestly, I can't remember the last time I saw something like that besides the mankind incident. It was insane. And all I could say, and he got carted off on a stretcher. And all I could say was mad respect, man, mad respect. But other than that, it was pretty much a letdown. Uh, WrestleMania was a letdown. So much so, it actually makes me wonder if I'm going to keep my tradition going of watching WrestleManias uh, next year because this one was like, you know, took it right up the pooper. It, it was not so good. But anyway, so that was that was my weekend between working and uh, doing uh, the movie fights and all this other kind of – and WrestleMania. So that was my weekend uh, with Anne being away. But let's move on and talk about some movie stuff here. And that was fun talking about all that other stuff, by the way. But let's talk about some movie stuff here. The Batman versus Superman controversy continues to go. And it continues to roll. And it continues to go on. You have your subtractors of the film who keep trying to turn everything that comes out about Batman versus Superman as a massive negative. Now, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to the critic rating... Batman versus Superman is a failure. It has, it still holds, it dropped all the way down. You remember my last podcast, it dropped all the way down to 29%. And as of right now, it stays. So it looks like it's going to stay at 29%. It's still at 29% today. But the viewer rating is still over 70%. So you have the critic rating hovering right around 30. You have the audience rating hovering around around 70. Uh, So you still have this massive divide. And then the box office numbers came in and Batman versus Superman on its second weekend made just north of over 50 million. I think it was like 52 or 53 million dollars that Batman versus Superman made in its second week. Now that is a 68% drop. Normally, what you want to see in a movie is a 50% drop or less, less if you can, but right around 50 is what you expect. And if you can keep it around 50, that's not bad. Um, but it had a 68% drop. Now, for those of you who listen to the John Campy podcast regularly, you'll remember that, uh, I can't remember how many episodes ago, but a number of episodes ago, I said, I told you on this podcast with $170 million worth of people going to see Batman versus Superman on its opening weekend, you, that means a lot of people who are waiting to see the movie are not waiting for the second week. They're going to go see it first weekend. I said, with this kind of a movie, I expect something in the 60, just north of 60% range. Now, you don't want to see it go as high as 70, but I was expecting to see a 61, 62, 63% drop. I said, you should expect that. That's probably what's coming when you look at the way that these numbers are structured. And so it made it dropped a little bit more than that. Look, higher than I'm sure WB wanted it to. It had a higher drop than WB wanted to, but it ended up dropping 68%. But I've told people last week, you should expect a 61, 62, 63% drop. You should expect that. 
That is what I am expecting. So it dropped just a little bit more than what I was expecting. But sure enough, I've got people tweeting me with the 68% drop, like people who are just dying to rag on this movie. And they're tweeting out like as if it's some sort of try saying, the people have spoken. Batman versus Superman is a failure. They have spoken because it took a 68% drop. And I'm like, you do realize that Batman versus Superman, a movie in its second week, made like $53 million, right? And you're trying to paint a picture about how that is somehow a failure? Look, this movie hasn't even been out a week and a half, okay? And it's approaching $700 million worldwide. Now, is that Star Wars numbers? No, but I told you it wasn't going to make Star Wars numbers when I saw the film. Like, okay, this movie's not going to... Don't expect, like, not every new movie that comes out has to break the all-time box office record. 700 million... It's going to make much more than $700 million when it's all said and done. But $700 million in a week and a half is pretty damn good. As a matter... And then I had this friend, I, I try to say that, and this guy kept saying to me, on Twitter, nope, if, if it even gets close to 70 and this had a 68% drop in, and granted, that is larger of a drop than anybody wanted to see. Warner Brothers did not want to see that kind of a drop. Make no mistake about it. That's disappointing. Yes, it is. But it is not the, oh my God, the sky is falling numbers that a bunch of people are trying to spin this into being. Not only did I... Tell everybody well in advance, this thing's going to have over a 6% drop. If it's closer to 50, I'll be shocked. But And if it's closer to 70, it'll be a surprise. But So he hit 68, not that big of a deal. But this one person kept naming, no, no, the people spoke. You, you get 68%, that means utter failure. That means the movie is a failure. If it's you drop that much, it's a failure. And I'm like, no, man, you got to take other things in consideration. Like, yes, a movie, a regular movie that opens to say, $30 million, if that movie drops 60%, 70%, that is really, dis- that is a failure. That is super disappointing. That's a super failure. But when you have a movie that's like Batman versus Superman, where everybody's just waiting to get into the theater on opening weekend, and everybody sees it opening weekend, you have to allow and expect a higher, goodness gracious, Deadpool had nearly a 60% drop from week one to week two. A lot of people forget that. Why? Why did it drop that much? Because Deadpool wasn't good? No, because a lot more people than expected went to go see it opening weekend. So there was less people interested in seeing Deadpool who hadn't seen it yet when the second weekend came around. And Deadpool almost dropped 60%. As a matter of fact, look at one of the the, the biggest hits of all time. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Huge, huge movie absolutely huge and the critics like it and the fans love it and blah 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 how much do you think harry potter's and the deathly hollows dropped week two you think it dropped 40 percent? no dropped more than that think dropped 45 more 50 more 55 more 60 more 70 more harry potter's and the deathly hollows part two which i think is the most financially successful of all the harry potter films dropped 72 percent more than Batman versus Superman from week one to week two. Did that mean the people spoke that Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows 2 was a failure? You'd be an idiot to think that. You'd be an absolute idiot. But that movie, look, it was the last Harry Potter movie. You had 
unusual numbers of people waiting to see that one on opening week than waiting for the second weekend. And so that contributes to the higher percentage number because this is not a regular movie. Batman versus Superman is not a regular movie. All right, this was one of those movies a lot of people were lining up waiting to see opening week. Was it a higher drop-off than what Warner Brothers wanted and what it should have got? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. There's no there's no sugarcoating that. Yes, it was. But to take that minor setback and somehow try to paint a picture of the sky is falling, heads are going to roll at DC and heads are going to roll at Warner Brothers. Oh, the people have spoken that this is... No, 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 no. no this, this people have spoken. This thing's got a 72% fan rating. The people have spoken. The fans, generally speaking, the fans like this movie. The critics clearly do not. And eight times out of 10, I align myself with the critics. I agree with the critics eight times out of 10, but this is one of those times where I did not. I enjoyed Batman versus Superman, even though uh, I acknowledge all the weaknesses it had and it still should have been better. But yeah, like I said, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows had a bigger drop than Batman versus Batman versus Superman didn't even have a 70% drop, had a 68% drop. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows had a 72% drop. All right. And was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows some kind of horrible failure? No. No, it was not. So look, that's not to say that if you're somebody who didn't like Batman versus Superman, that Oh, it only had a 68% drop. You should like Batman vs. Superman. No, 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 not at all. Look, I acknowledge the weaknesses of the film, and I'm totally cool with anybody who did not like the film. I'm totally cool with that. If you ask me why I liked it, I will state my case and give my position about why I enjoyed it, but I'm never going to tell anybody they should like Batman vs. Superman. Because, you know, all films are subjective, yes, but, but this is one of those films that even though I liked it and I had a good time with it, and I'll defend it, that I totally acknowledge the weaknesses of the film, and I can understand why other people wouldn't. I just think uh, some people need to get off their uh, their let's find anything to complain about Batman versus Superman over. I just think people need to get over that. But anyway, that's just me. It's all movies. It's just fun. Um, another really cool thing that came out this week was a whole bunch of pictures for Doctor Strange. Now, most of those pictures were of the, just the main, what I assume are the main two, pardon me, the main two characters in Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. And the pictures, I had a bunch of you guys tweet me asking me to give my thoughts and some commentary on what I thought about the pictures. The pictures are awesome. I really like these pictures a lot. Um, and it's, and you got two terrific actors. First of all, you got Benedict Cumberbatch, who's, who's going to win an Academy Award at some point someday. And then you have playing in a supporting role, an actor who's even better than Benedict Cumberbatch in Chiwetel Ejiofor. And you guys know, I have been preaching the gospel of Chiwetel Ejiofor ever since Serenity came out. However many years ago that was. 10 years ago now? I can't even remember what year Serenity came out. That was my introduction to Chiwetel Ejiofor when he played the operative, the main villain, the main antagonist in um, in Serenity. I have been preaching that gospel. I, I had no problem with the fact that Matthew McConaughey won the Oscar the other year. No problem with that because he was spectacular in the Dallas Buyers Club. He totally, totally spectacular, and I had no problem with him winning. But my vote that year would have been for Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave. I just I thought he was also spectacular, even maybe just a hair better and a hair more spectacular than even the great Matthew McConaughey. Um, but I so anyway, now you got Benedict Cumberbatch and Chiwetel Ejiofor and an, just a great cast. 
This is a stacked cast, okay, for Doctor Strange. And these pictures came out and they look spectacular. I love their renditions and their interpretation of the classic costumes. They, they, I mean, there's some different, look, somebody who's a comic book nerd and totally knows the Doctor Strange thing, they will point out a million differences between the comic book and what these pictures showed. I understand that. But basically, when you look at Benedict Cumberbatch, that looks like the Doctor Strange costume. And they've done it in such a way that I think it translated very well. I mean, remember, you got a little more freedom with a character like Doctor Strange because he's supposed to be the ethereal plane and all that kind of stuff. So it's cool. I, I think they look great. Seeing Chiwetel Ejiofor and him running side by side, I guess this movie, they're going to start off as friends. I expect them to become enemies at some point. Um, so keep your eye open for that. But I thought the pictures were great and wonderful. And I had a just a fun time looking through them. Check them out online if you get a chance. Just simply jump online, Google uh, Doctor Strange set photos, and I'm sure you'll find all of them. There's a whole bunch of them out there. And apparently the picture is now wrapped. Apparently production on the movie is done. They're finished. They've shot the film. It's in the can now. It's all the post-production and editing and music and all that stuff. And we are getting closer and closer to an actual Doctor Strange being a really a real physical movie that we get to see, and I'm really stoked about that. All right, guys. Well, before I get to the um, Twitter questions today, and a whole bunch of you sent in some really great Twitter questions, I can't wait to get to them. We are going to pause for a moment, take a little break, and hear a word from our sponsor. We would like to thank our sponsor for this episode, GeekFeed.com, the world's greatest dedicated geek news feed, providing you with fresh, juicy, up-to-the-minute breaking news and shareable content on all things geek. It's the place to get your geek fix. They eat and sleep nothing but geek, scouring the interweb to serve up some seriously tasty geek nuggets. So get ready to cram every orifice with the very latest from the world of comics, games, TV, and movies. Chow down on the funniest vines and memes. Feast your eyes on the latest trailers, posters, and fan art. Stuff your geek hole full of... Okay, you get the idea. Remember to connect with geekfeed.com across all social media platforms at geekfeed.com. That's at geekfeed, D-O-T-C-O-M. And we at the John Campion Podcast would like to thank geekfeed.com for their support. And we are back. All right, guys. Now it's time to get to these Twitter questions. I take some questions from you guys via Twitter every episode of the John Campion Podcast. And once again, how do you get a question to me? Simple. Just jump on Twitter. And tweet out a question. You can do it anytime, by the way. You don't have to wait till like the night before. You can tweet out a question anytime. Just include in the tweet the hashtag TJCP. Hashtag TJCP, the John KB podcast. And that way I will make sure I find your question. By the way, you guys should be following me on Twitter. Simply follow me at John Campy. I tweet out a lot of nonsense, but it's a good way to keep up to date with everything that I'm spewing out all the time. So make sure you're following me there. And you can also follow me on Facebook at John Campia as well. So make sure you guys follow me there. All right, let's get to the first Twitter question. This Twitter question comes from Jesse Mendez 2, who writes, Diaz versus McGregor 2. Who do you got? Now, they just announced a bunch of the card for UFC 200. And a part of the card... Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a huge UFC fan, massive. I'm a little underwhelmed by this card they're putting together for UFC 200. This should be a big, huge, major thing. And look, it's a very intriguing main event. Um, Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor 2. Of course, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz just fought a few weeks ago. Nate Diaz shocked the world. But look, I told everybody. Look, I I picked Conor McGregor to win the fight. I did. I mean, I, I if I had to put my mind down, I would have put on Conor McGregor. But I told everybody 
Because everybody thought this was going to be a big cakewalk for Conor McGregor. Everybody thought this was going to be such an easy fight. And I said, look, guys, he is not fighting one weight class higher than he normally does. He is fighting two weight classes higher than he normally does. And this isn't like little pissant boxing where every five ounces has its own new weight division. Oh, you're, you're, you're eight ounces heavier than before. You've gone up three weight classes. No, 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 no. This is like real weight classes, right? He's fighting like 20 pounds heavier than what he's used to fighting. And Nate Diaz is just a naturally a bigger guy than Conor McGregor is. And Nate Diaz has a slick ground game. And if anything is Conor McGregor's Achilles heel, is ground game. Nate Diaz is also an incredibly sharp boxer, which is one of the areas that Conor McGregor usually dominates in. And I think this is going to be the first time. Plus, Nate Diaz had an incredible reach advantage. He's very lanky, very long. And I told people, do not be surprised if Nate Diaz wins that fight. I mean, I'll put my money on McGregor, and I did. Not literally, but I mean, I my pick was McGregor to win. Um, but I mean, I told everybody, like, don't be shocked if Nate Diaz wins this thing. And sure enough, Nate Diaz won. So now they're coming back. They're going to fight again. I do think McGregor, now that he knows what he's got, now that he's been in there, and McGregor dominated the first round of that fight before getting caught and then getting choked out in the, uh, or getting submitted in the second round. But I think McGregor is going to have a much easier time of it the second time around. I do think McGregor is going to win that fight. So my pick, I got McGregor in Diaz versus McGregor. All right, let's move on to the next question. The next question comes from Kenny Crayley. And Kenny Crayley writes, John, when do you think we will see a Supergirl film in the DC Cinematic Universe? Uh, thanks and keep up the good work. When will we see a Supergirl movie? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think right now there are no plans. I think there are absolutely no plans for a Supergirl movie for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, Supergirl is not one of the key DC characters. Because when you think about the key DC characters, who are you looking at? You're looking at Wonder Woman. You're looking at Green Lantern. You're looking at The Flash. You're looking at Arrow. You're looking at Batman. You're looking at Superman. You're looking at Aquaman. I mean, you got, you know, they're already talking Shazam and Cyborg and all. They, they've got a lot of characters to get to. Supergirl is not on that upper, she's not an A-lister. In the DC cinematic, in the DC universe at all. She's just, she's not an alien. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people might hate me for this, but I'm not even so convinced that Supergirl is a B lister. I, I think Supergirl might be a C lister. Cause once you get past like the, the true A listers, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, uh, Aquaman, Green Lantern, once you get past that, then you get to the B listers and the B listers, I don't even know that Supergirl fits in there because the B-list, you're talking about Teen Titans and you're talking about other guys like that that might actually rank higher than Supergirl. Supergirl might arguably be a C-list DC character. So that's one reason why I don't think there are any plans for a Supergirl entry into the DC Cinematic Universe. Uh, reason number two is that they have a TV show of uh, Supergirl right now and it's not doing all that great. It's surviving. But it's not doing all that great. Like, yes, you can say, but John, they have a Flash TV show. Yes, but they have a Flash TV show and there's a lot of interest in it. People are interested in the character and it's doing very well for where it is. Um, and people like it and enjoy it. Plus, Flash is an A-lister. Flash is an A-lister. Now, now, there, there is a certain level for Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. They're probably like A-plus. And then you got your other A-listers. Flash, Green Lantern, 
uh, Aquaman, arguably Green Arrow. So, you know, Flash is up there. Flash is up on that level. So there's a couple of reasons. Now, the one thing that I could say might change that answer is the Wonder Woman movie. Now, I'm not making any, any predictions here about the Wonder Woman mo- movie at all. I've got my concerns about the Wonder Woman movie. I've got my hopes for the Wonder Woman movie, okay? Just like all of you. I've got my concerns about it. I've got my hopes for it. But, so let's take predictions out of the equation for a second. Let's say that Wonder Woman comes out. It's a smash hit. Let's say it makes like $150 million opening weekend. Uh, gets... Really good critic. Let's say it gets 70 to 78% critic reviews. It gets 85 to 90% audience reviews. Makes big money. Everybody loves it. Now, if that happens, that could change the tune a little bit. Because if that happens, our first real significant, truly significant female superhero film. I know we've had our Electra and we've had our Catwoman, but come on, let, let's not pretend like those would be on the same league as, as a Wonder Woman. Anyway, if that happened and it was a smash success, critics liked it, audiences loved it, and it's a big smash hit. If that were to happen, then I've got to believe that maybe some conversations might start to happen over at Warner Brothers about what other big female properties do we have? And from there, the next logical step might be Supergirl. Now, we already know we're getting Mara in the Aquaman movie. So that's good. And that's there. But you're not going to do a Mara standalone movie. Let's just call it what it is. We're not going to get that. Um, there's Hot Girl. But, you know, once again, B-list at best, maybe a C-list character. She's on TV right now in, the Le- in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, not, not such a great character either. I'll be honest. I think she's a much better character in their animated stuff. Hawkgirl is, but, but so really, where do you go next? If you're DC, okay, think, think about this, work this out logically in your own head for a second. If you're a Warner Brothers exec, okay, and Wonder Woman comes out and knocks it out of the park financially, critically, and with the audience, and now you've got your bosses, like say Kevin Sujihara saying, well, what else do we got as far as female superhero properties that we can try to use? Now, don't, don't be a little fanboy here. Don't start pulling out the names of some minor little characters from Teen Titans because the general movie going on isn't going to go for that. You know that. Where else do you go other than Supergirl? So look, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there's any plans for it right now. And I don't think there are going to be any plans for it for a while. But I will say that should Wonder Woman come out, smash it out on all three of those levels, financially, critically, and with the audience, I think DC might start investigating what else can we do with a female lead character and where else would they go other than to a Supergirl at that point. But then again, there are other factors too. Like what if the CBS Supergirl show gets canceled, which I'm, I'm guessing that show doesn't make it out of season two. My guess is that Supergirl show doesn't make it out of season two. I think it gets to season two. I think it finished the season two. I'm going to be surprised if it gets out of season two. So that's just my guess, but we'll see where things go from there. All right. Next question is from 15 Aaron DBC, who writes, John, what are your, some of your most underrated movies of 2015? Now, what are some of my most underrated movies of 2015? This is an interesting discussion. Whenever somebody asks, 
What's an underrated movie? A lot of people have a different definition of what underrated means. Some people think underrated means it didn't make as much money as it should have. I, I don't, that's to me, that's underperforming. That's not underrated. To me, underrated means a movie that people saw and didn't talk about it as highly as you think it should have been talked about. Now, just by nature, that means if you're saying something's underrated, that means probably the majority of the people out there will disagree with you because it's underrated. If everybody agreed with you that something is underrated, well, then it's not underrated because everybody agrees with you and everybody thinks it's wonderful. So how can it be underrated? So keep that in mind that my definition is movies that I think that the people who saw them didn't give these movies the credit they deserved. Okay. Now, some of these are highly underrated. Some of these are moderately underrated, but these are the ones that really stand out to me from 2015. Now, this isn't a who's who's list of the best movies of 2015 because everybody basically agrees on the best list of 2015. These are the ones that I think were underrated. Um, one of the ones I'll say it, this, this movie got a lot of hate and I thought it was good and fun even though I wasn't the biggest fan in the world of the show, and that was the Entourage movie. You know, I went and watched Entourage. I watched a couple of seasons of Entourage, and then I gave up on it. Um, A couple of seasons I thought were really good, and then I got to that season where Vinny became a cocaine addict, and he was dating the porn star. But, well, what a porn star to date, Sasha Gray. Woo! Anyway, um, and so, but Vinny was a cocaine addict and it wasn't that because he was a cocaine addict that it made the show watchable. It's just that the, the story got dull and repetitive and I gave up on it and I didn't even watch the last two seasons or however many seasons they did. Maybe they did three seasons. I'm not sure. I, I, I bailed out on it. So I was not super excited for an entourage movie, but I went to go see it and it was all the best things about when the show was good. I thought it was funny. I thought I thought it was clever and witty and funny and I smiled and I was charmed and I was entertained. And I hear but I heard a bunch of people really hate on this movie and I'm a little bit confused. It's like what did you think you were getting with this movie? Like to me it embodied the best elements of when the show was good. And I'm not even a big fan of Entourage. But for me I so that's why because most people didn't give this movie the, the credit I think it's due. I think Entourage was underrated. All right. The next one I'm going to say is underrated is the Peanuts movie. I was very disappointed that the Peanuts movie did not get nominated for Best Animated Film. I, I wouldn't have given it the, the Oscar. I mean, that obviously belonged to Inside Out. But I really enjoyed the Peanuts movie. I thought it was really charming and pulled on the heartstrings and just made you feel good. There are a lot of times in that movie that I just found myself sitting there and smiling like an idiot. It's so charming and so heartwarming and just so good. And, uh, you know, I know like even my buddy John Schnapp, he, he didn't like it all that much. But I don't know. I came out of the Peanuts movie, man, thoroughly entertained. I know a lot of people don't talk about this film. Not a lot of people were wowed by it the way I was. And thus... I believe the Peanuts movie is an underrated film of 2015. But to me, the biggest one, and it did okay at the box office and it did okay critically and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying it was top three, top four, top five movie of the year or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella was really good. I thought it was. 
I thought it was really good. And remember, I went in to Cinderella with a bad taste in my mouth for a lot of these Disney classics being turned into live action things. Like I thought um, Maleficent was terrible. I thought Maleficent was just bad. Uh, like Angelina Jolie was brilliant in it, but it was a bad film. And they they just – and, you know, I did not like Alice in Wonderland. I thought that movie sucked. So I – you know, I'm going in with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, not expect, even though I really like Kenneth Braun as a director. I love what he did with the first Thor movie and everything else he's done in his career. But – and you got Kate Blanchett who is – I mean, she's Kate Blanchett. That means she's awesome in anything she's in ever, anytime, period. And you had Lily James who has a very promising career. But still, I was not expecting much from Cinderella, and I got to say, I was wowed by it. I thought it was magical, which is exactly what you want to hear coming out of a Disney uh, fantasy fairy tale kind of movie. I thought it was magical and just great. Lily James really opened my eyes. Then Lily James was just, I mean, another underrated movie, but it's, uh, I can't remember if it was 2015 or if it was 2016 now. But Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Lily James was in. I think that movie's underrated. I think Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is underrated. Because, you know, it came from the same dude who wrote um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which was just a pile of garbage. Absolutely it was. And this felt like uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. It certainly felt like it from the from the marketing at any rate. But I thought it was fun. I thought it was really fun. And, oh, my God, Lily James is a star in the making. Lily James is a big star in the making. I cannot wait to see the way she goes. But anyway, getting back to the film we're talking about, which is Cinderella, I think Cinderella is really underrated. Now, that is certainly not – so the three I just mentioned, Entourage, the penis movie, Cinderella. Uh, again, that's certainly not an exhaustive list. And if I really wanted to take more time to sit down and think about it, I could probably come up with a few more. But th- those are three of them. I think th- I think those three films are underrated. If you have not checked out Entourage, the penis movie, or Cinderella, I would encourage you to check them out because I think you'll have a good time. All right. Uh, let's see here. Big Squire, uh, Big J Square writes, favorite WrestleMania moment of all time. Wow. Favorite WrestleMania moment of all time. Cause I've watched pretty much all of them, but I gotta say to me, and it's, I'm cheating a bit cause it's not a specific moment. It is a sp- specific match. One that I probably still think is the greatest wrestling match of all time. And I think, I could be mistaken. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it goes all the way back to WrestleMania 2. I think it was WrestleMania 2. You know what? I'm going to do a quick search here. Um, And it was Ricky Steamboat um, versus Randy the Macho Man Savage. Uh, and oh, sorry, it was WrestleMania 3 is when it came out. I should have Googled that before I did the podcast, but whatever. WrestleMania 3. I was off by one. So go all the way back to WrestleMania 3. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy the Macho Man Savage, in my opinion, is the greatest wrestling match in history. I I don't ever recall seeing a better one. Now, I got some friends of mine. They like, you know, some Ric Flair and Sting matches and stuff like that. Those are all great. But to me, that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy the Macho Man Savage, all-time awesome. Um, And right up there, I got to say, even though I said I was disappointed with WrestleMania this year, 
That Shane McMahon. Di- look, folks, look it up on YouTube. It's got to be all over social media at this point. Look it up. Like the way I'm describing it, believe me when I tell you the way that I'm describing it does not do it justice. You will just, you're thinking, dude, you're there. His wife and his three kids are there and you are risking your life throwing yourself from 25 feet in the air. Dude, guys, you got to see it. So that may have taken an instance. I mean, there's look, there are lots of great moments. Um, Shawn Michaels um, has a whole bunch of stuff. I, I mean, look. I could go on and on, but to me, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy Macho Man Savage, WrestleMania 3, that is my all-time favorite WrestleMania moment. All right, guys, that will do it for me. Thank you for joining me. Hey, listen, once again, let me go over my, my social media stuff here. Make sure you guys are following me on Facebook and on Twitter, simply at John Campia. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash John Campia. Guys, don't forget... My book, The Pride, is available on Amazon right now. Head on over to Amazon and search for The Pride. It's available uh, in e-version on Kindle and in paperback. And I think next week I'm actually going to do some giveaways of some copies of The Pride. So make sure you head on over there. And if you do order it and it shows up, do me a favor and tweet out a picture with you with your book. uh, Because I would love to see it if you guys have a picture of you with your book. And make sure you come back again in a couple of days for the next installment of the John Cambia Podcast. Once again, I'm going to be trying to do about three, four of these a week. It'll probably work out to be about three a week. But so you can probably expect the next episode on Wednesday. And hey, if you're just listening to this random episode, why don't you subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or any one of your favorite podcasting app services? Just search for the John Cambia Podcast and you'll be able to subscribe to it as well. And by the way, since I'm mentioning iTunes, whether you use iTunes or if you don't, do me a favor. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, open up iTunes, go in, and it just takes you a second, search in the podcast store for The John Campia Podcast, and then rate this podcast and leave a comment. That would be awesome if you would do that. So that'll do it for me, guys, for this episode of The John Campia Podcast. I really appreciate you joining me. Once again, a big appreciation and shout out to our sponsor, geekfeed.com. Make sure you go check them out as well. And make sure you come back and visit us again. So until next time for The John Campia Podcast. Bye-bye.